Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow from SpeedwayMedia.com. What an announcement it was this afternoon. Alex Bowman in the number 88 car in 2018. He will replace the retiring Dale Earnhardt Jr. We'll give our thoughts on that. Plus, last night was the fifth annual Eldor Dirt Derby. Uh, a surprise winner, I guess you can say, and Matt Crafton locks himself into the playoffs. We'll discuss that. Plus, we'll preview Indianapolis. An interesting Xfinity Series race there. They have restricted plates this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If it's successful, we could see it coming to Cup in 2018. We'll discuss our thoughts on that. Plus, the Cup race, the normal uh, package, I guess you can call it, at Indianapolis. And we'll take your phone calls, 917-889-8280, to join the show. But first, John, it's been speculated for a while. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s replacement. Who's going to replace him? Listen, I thought for a while it was going to be um, Matt, Matt Kenseth in the 88 car. Comes out this afternoon. You know, Kenseth came out earlier this week and said, I don't have that option. Comes out this afternoon that Alex Bowman will be the number 88 Chevrolet for 2018. Were you surprised by this announcement? A little bit. Um I think Nationwide was kind of pleased with Alex Bowman last year. I know they wanted Jeff Gordon to have the big name in there because Nationwide's paying a lot of money to be in the 88. But when Alex Bowman was in the car, it ran better than it did with Gordon in the car. And Alex Bowman didn't do himself anything, any harm last year when he was filling in for Dale Jr. The car was competitive. He was actually running it as good, if not better, than Jr. was during the year. So I, I don't think it was a surprise that Bowman got the ride. The surprise was Exalta stepping up and putting two more races on the car where it's almost fully funded. You've got 18 or 19 races with nationwide 15 races with Exalta. That's 34, of the 38 there couple here and there that um, Hendrick can find a way to get into. But I mean, it, it's really nice to see a driver get a ride without bringing his own money to the table. Alex Bowman yes. is a good driver. He did a lot of good work for Hendrick Motorsports this year. Jimmy Johnson has credited him with the work he does in the simulator to help the cars be ready to go whenever they hit the track on the weekend. But it was nice to see somebody not buy a ride. I totally agree with that. And I think the surprise to me, John, a biggest surprise here before we bring on a caller, was usually – you see these type of announcements, especially with this 88 car and, and Hendrick Motorsports and how big of a ride this is. You know, hey, it's going to be a press conference, Hendrick Motorsports on Thursday. Uh, usually you see that, and, you know, they, they send out the table, the press gets all meets at Hendrick Motorsports, and they announce the driver of the, of the car. We've seen it plenty of times before. That, to me, is where it's surprising because I think we all kind of, all of a sudden it was just like, whoa, here, here's the announcement. You didn't see the big hoopla around this announcement. I think that, to me, um, is what the big surprise was. You know, once Kenseth came out and said that earlier this week that he wasn't in the 88, I think you looked at it and you said, hey, you know what? Um, it's, it's Alex Bowman's ride to lose. 
uh, 917-889-8280 if you want to join a conversation on Talking Circles. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Chris from Texas. Hey, Chris, what do you want to talk about? The Alex Bowman news? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Not much. So I thought they'd put Byron in it, actually. But then again, couldn't the five open up next year to put Byron in it, too? Uh, that's the rumor. I mean, there's nothing official. I know Kane's contract runs through the end of the year, uh, runs through 2018, I should say. Um, but mm-hmm. there has been talk that Casey's in trouble there at that five car, no doubt about it. Um, and you could, so that was the talk I've heard, that they could go to three cars there at Hendricks. So. Mm-hmm. I've heard both those. So I thought they, with this one they could put Byron in the five or they could keep Kane or they could shut it down, basically, right? The the one thing, what do y'all think about the Xfinity race in restrictor plates? Do y'all have any idea what to expect? Hey, can you say a monkey screw in a football? <laughs> That's what I see is going to happen. You're, one of the things everybody complains about when it comes to Indianapolis is they can't pass in the turns. So mm-hmm. we're going to bunch them up with the restrictor plate to where everywhere else they run two and three wide. And we're all going to pile into turn one where everybody's bunched up in a pack and they have to somehow get down to one lane. All I see for this is a Charlie Foxtrot monkey screw in a football. Pick the whatever most grossest, stupidest thing you can picture. That's what's going to happen Saturday with the Xfinity race. Now, when they tested it, they tested it with four or five cars at Indy. They didn't put 25, 30 cars on the track. And the people who were testing for the Xfinity ride for the five of them said, hey, we get a, we get around pretty well. Yeah, put 30 other maniacs out there who are trying to get to the bottom line and going to knock your ass out of the way getting there. It's going to be a mess. If we have 20 cars finish the race on Saturday, I'll be shocked. Or could you also get something like, what was it, the New Hampshire race in 01 where it's one of the most boring races in NASCAR? Get the pole. Everybody has to follow because everybody's the same speed. Jeff Burton led every lap. First time it ever happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a a crap race. But, I mean, NASCAR in that one, they were sort of not sure what to do because they're coming off of Kenny Irwin Jr. and Adam Petty being killed at that track. So they figured they had to do something to slow the cars down because the banking and the way everybody was kicking off. So they slowed the cars down for that one. But I I don't see it being like New Hampshire that year. I just see it being a complete mess. New Hampshire was just this, boring. Nobody wrecked. Nobody right. got in the way. Everybody just followed the leader. This is going to be a mess. This it's shows desperation on NASCAR's part, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that absolutely shows desperation. They want Indianapolis to be a thing. Listen, and, and as much as we've seen Indianapolis sort of fall off the rails here a little bit, um, you know, it's still a pretty prestigious event as far as sponsorship mm-hmm. goes, you know, and how much it pays. You see Tommy Baldwin show up to this race. He wouldn't show up to these races if he wasn't, uh, you know, making money. So I think that's it's still a pretty prestigious race. What we're going to see, I don't know. But, um, man, it, it's it's going to be certainly interesting. And, I, and if it's successful, we're probably going to see it in Cup real soon. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Chris, real quick before I let you go? Uh, what did y'all think about the dirt race last night? 
Best uh, race John's of the season. John's a big dirt fan. Go ahead. Best race of the season. Um, mm-hmm. You don't. I mean, there's a couple people who were garbage out there. I mean, it's like your local short track where you got someone who's spinning every five laps or so. The thing mm-hmm. is, a local short track, it's three spins and you're done. Park it. You're done. You can't control your car. It was nice to see Crafton win and beat some of the dirt guys. But, I mean, Crafton uh, realized that this race means something to the uh, – it's not like one of them ones. I mean, he's gone out and finished in the top ten every year they've had the race. But he went out and bought himself a dirt modified and ran some dirt so he could get comfortable and try to know what to tell the crew to do to the car or to the truck so he understood what the feeling was on dirt. So that helped out. I mean, there was some really good racing in there. Stuart Friesen put on a great show again. Uh, Chase Briscoe, after he almost rolled it in practice on uh, Tuesday night, goes out in the backup truck, comes to third. Um, Christopher Bell was putting on a hell of a show, even though he got T-boned. And, I mean, it was just a matter of time before that car, I mean, that truck went. But he was putting on a pretty good show with about three and a half wheels and his toe being completely knocked out Mm -hmm. in the front. So, I mean, I think it's the best show of the year. Um, the truck series, they were saying today on Moody show that they barely make money if they make anything going to Eldora. I mean, hopefully NASCAR comes out and says, okay, here's, here's a little bit of money for your time, but we all know better than that. But I think it's the best race we see. And it's great that it's a one-off and it's only in trucks. Please don't get the idea in your head, get Xfinity in there. Don't put the idea in your head, getting the cars in there. It's perfect for the trucks. Everybody else has too much horsepower, and they'll tear up the track. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it was that... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it, the ratings were up about 5%. I saw that on Fox Sports PR, even though people were complaining about them putting it on the business network. Still 5 or 6% more, percent more people watched it. Yeah, and Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks for calling us, uh, and we'll continue the conversation here. But, you know, the only complaint I have with Eldora before we get back to the Alex Bowman thing is that race started at 9.45 in the East Coast. I mean, I know it's the main, I know it's the feature event, but when you got TV like that and it's a, a premier event like that, that race didn't get over until 11.45. I mean, you got to do better, a little bit better than that. I'm sorry. And if they, that doesn't change, um, I think they could be in jeopardy. And I know Tony Stewart comes out and says, I don't need NASCAR to survive here at Eldora. And he's absolutely correct on that. But, 9:45 for a truck race is crazy on Wednesday night, you know. And maybe if you started early, they say, well, you can't really start it earlier because then you got to start the heat races way earlier, and that's true. So they're kind of in a rock and a hard place. But I just think that race got over way too late on a Wednesday night for the ratings to be, I think, optimal. I know a lot of people who turn that race off because they just couldn't stay up because they had to work in the morning. So that's my one complaint on Eldor, if there is one. Um, but listen, bringing it back to Alex Bowman here, John, um, did you find it interesting? Like I said, that there was no press conference about this, that it was just announced on Twitter, uh, or Facebook through via social media, I should say. Um, I thought that was kind of very interesting that they didn't have a a press conference for a ride like this. This is a huge ride here uh, replacing the most popular driver in NASCAR. Matt Kenseth is determining silly season. That's how it is. Matt Kenseth came out and said, there's no room at the end for me at Joe Gibbs racing. And it forced coach Gibbs hands to say two days later that Eric Jones is going in the ride. 
Tuesday night when Kansas was on with Kevin Harvick. They talked about the chance of going to the 88 car, and Kansas said, that's not not a possibility for me. Forced the hand of Rick Hendricks, so two days later, Alex Bowman's announcing the ride. Because, you know, when they got to Indy tomorrow, and the media converged on Rick Hendrick and Dale Jr. and Greg Ives, everybody's going to say, well, if Kansas can't go in that ride, who's got it? And they would have been up everybody's took us, so they wanted to make sure they got it out today. So Junior, Greg Ives, and Rick Hendrick can focus on the race at Indy. I think Matt Kenseth is completely determining what's happening in silly season this year. And he'll probably be the last one we find who gets a ride. And my next question is, it's funny you bring that up, because my next question is, where? I mean, I wrote an article about this, uh, or I should say in the newsletter for uh, frontstretch.com, and it was basically explaining what Matt Kenseth's options are for 2018. Um, here's a 45-year-old driver who, John, I, I know a lot of people look at it and say, well, he's 45 years old. I think he can still win a lot of races in this series. I think he's determined to win a lot of races. He's still a very, very good driver. Um, I don't know how much longer he wants to race. That could hurt him pursuing the ride. But we've heard you know, rumors that Kurt Busch's uh, – his status there at Stuart Haas Racing isn't exactly concrete. Danica Patrick's status at Stuart Haas Racing is very up in the air. Um, the 77 car, we don't know what that car is going to do for next year. It's very possible that car could close down. Um, but there is a sleeper in this, and I'll let you talk about it before, but I think there is a sleeper in this. But where do you think Kenseth ends up? you think Stuart Haas is right now the best option for him? I think it's one of two options. I think the sleeper, you and I probably have the same sleeper in mind is the 21. But, um, or if uh, uh, Gallagher GMS comes to cup, that's another possibility. I think, I mean, if I'm Gene Haas and Tony Stewart, and you've got Boyer running well in the 14, Bush, yeah, his um, status is up in the air. I mean, he's got an option, a team option for next year that they have to make an announcement by a certain date. And he hasn't said what the date is, and Stuart Haas hasn't said what the date is. It's probably not far from now because it was about the Indy race whenever they said that's when they made the announcement that Kurt Busch was going to Stuart Haas. So it shouldn't be too far from now we find out about Kurt Busch, whether he stays in the 41 or he goes. I think Kurt Busch is staying in the 41. Um, Gene Haas wanted them there. He's won races for them. They've been competitive. They made the chase every year that they've, he's been at Stuart Haas racing. He's been the model citizen at Stuart Haas racing him and, um, Tony Gibson get along. Great. They work well together. Tony Gibson hasn't come out and said, boy, I'd really like somebody else. Um, I think if anything, you've got three cars running. Well, you've got one car that's in the hopper and Matt Kenseth, give him good equipment. He's not going to tear it up. He's going to be consistent. He's sort of the how, where'd he come from guy. I could see him turning the 10 into a decent ride. I hope, I mean, I really hope Matt Kenseth goes to the 10. I wouldn't mind seeing him in the 21 with the Wood Brothers. I'd like to see Kenseth back in the Ford camp where he started. I mean, the 77's in play. I think that is Barney Visser trying to get more money out of TRD because the five hour energy is probably going to go to Truex with Bass Pro Shops and Furniture Row. 
But, I mean, I think the 77 saying, hey, we may close it, is Barney Visser saying to Toyota, hey, we need more money because you want this second car. I'm not sure if we can afford it. But the two sleepers, I see Kenseth being either at the 10 car or in the 21 car if Blaney goes back to Team Penske. Yeah, listen, I, that's not the sleeper I have, but I think that is an option right now. I think anything right now that's open or has rumored to be open is an option because he's so good. Matt Kenseth is, a, I think, a very talented race car driver. Any team would be – would be, uh, would, he would bring so much value to a team just because of his intelligence of a race car. It's not like you're bringing somebody in here who doesn't know what these race cars do. Um, he's, he's, you know, Kyle Busch ranted and raved about him. As far as being a teammate, he's a great guy. Uh, you know, definitely had that incident with Lugano that I think put a little bit of a black eye on his career um, for a lot of people. But but other than that, he's, he's in squeaky clean image, uh, and he runs very, very well. Uh, you know, the only problem with him is his age. And it's hard to sell yourself to a car owner who, when you say, well, I don't know if I'm going to run past three more years because they're not going to move a guy out. Um, honestly, I think an option here – I don't know if Matt would take this, but I think there is an option here where he could go to Rich Childress Racing. And I know that sounds crazy because they're losing Menard, and Menard, it sounds like Menard is going, the sponsorship Menard is going over to Penske in some capacity, whether they sponsor the Wood Brothers, whether they sponsor Blaney in the third car, whether Paul Menard goes over there, still up in the air as well. But that's what it sounds like is going to happen. So they're losing that and a charter, apparently, the sponsorship and a charter that goes with it. Um, but a couple of years ago when Carl Edwards was leaving Roush Fenway to go to Joe Gibbs Racing, Richard Childress threw everything he had at Carl Edwards. He gave him a fantastic deal, and Carl came out publicly and said he was blown away by it. He was like, wow. Uh, obviously, Carl got a better deal at Joe Gibbs Racing because that team is a premier Toyota team. Childress, we haven't seen run very well of recent years, but bringing somebody like Matt Kenseth in, and I'm not, I'm not trying to take away anything from Ryan Newman or Austin Dillon, but bringing somebody like Matt Kenseth into that race team, who's got the intelligence, who knows some notes they've used at Joe Gibbs Racing, I think he can be very valuable to that organization. Um, and keep that three-car team afloat if that's what Richard Childress wants to do. Uh, I think as a and, – and whether or not Matt believes he can win in that car, in one of those cars, I don't know, but if – he brings a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of talent to that team, and they get a little bit better. I think Matt could win in that car. I don't know if he can win on a consistent basis, but I think he could win. So I think RCR might be an interesting player in this a little bit later, uh, if if we don't hear anything soon. But you know that that to me, is, John, is my sleeper. What do you think about that? I think it's a big sleeper. I think if uh, Menard does leave, which it looks like he's probably going to, I think. Uh, Childress will bring his grandson back into the fold and get Ty in-house so he has Austin and Ty in-house and try to bring the Geico sponsorship from the and see what happens with the 13 team. Um, I think he's going to try to get Ty back in the in-house, and that makes sense. I mean, he the reason he continued – one of the reasons he continued racing after Dale Earnhardt died, I mean, he said Earnhardt would probably haunt me if I didn't, but then it got to the point where Austin and Ty started getting involved in racing. He wanted to make sure there was a team there for them to drive for. And Austin's been in the fold, and now he probably wants to get Ty back in. I really think um, 
of the options for Kenseth that are available. I think Childress is sort of down the line. I mean, if you really think about it, in the Chevy camp, the fast, I mean, the first Childress car is probably seventh in line for Chevy um, support. You've got the 400 cars and Chip Ganassi racing with his two cars with the one and 42 are doing really well. And then you go to Childress. So they're probably the seventh Chevy car when it comes to factory support and how much they're getting from everybody. And the ECR engines have been decent. They don't blow, but no engines blow anymore. But they don't have the speed that Hendrick Motorsports does or Chip Ganassi Racing does. I think if Hendrick, I mean, if Matt Kenseth really wants to, and him and Tony Stewart have had their issues throughout the thing, but also Tony Stewart has gone up to Matt Kenseth Charity Race in Wisconsin and drove a late model to support Matt Kenseth Charity. So they're good friends, even though they've had their dust-ups or Tony threw his helmet at the car at Bristol. If Matt Kenseth wants to have a good ride for the rest of his career, I, I see him going to the 10 in Stewart Haas Racing. It's interesting, and whether or not that's going to be an option, who knows? I mean, uh, all sorts of rumors are out there for sure. Uh, real quick, the final thing on this Alex Bowman announcement here. Um, obviously, here's a guy who you mentioned he's been doing some work for Hendrick Motorsports this year, running the simulator. Uh, I think it's valuable. I don't think it's as valuable as seat time. I would like to see Dale Jr. Uh, or somebody on that team push for Bowman to get a more Xfinity Series races towards the end of the year to get his rhythm back up with some of these racetracks. Um, with that being said, and we know his situation, you know, ran a couple of years in Xfinity, ran a couple of years in Cup uh, for Tommy Baldwin, at BK Racing, never really did a whole lot. Last year was his sort of coming out party when Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, you know, substituted for him. Uh, what do you think his expectations are for 2018? Do you expect him to go out and sort of business as usual here for this 88 car and say, we expect to make the chase and win a lot of races? Or do you expect Bowman here in his first year in really, really top-notch equipment to sort of have to get his feet under him a little bit here for the first few months of next season? What do you think his expectations are for 2018? I think Bowman's expectations is he's got to come out of, this, come out of the gate uh, competing for top tens, top fives, fighting for wins partially because he's in a Hendrick Motorsports car and also because Nationwide only extended for one year. I think this is a, let's see what you can do. It's a one-year deal with the extension for Nationwide. And we know Exalta's in love with William Byron. They want to attach themselves to that kid whenever he does come to the Cup Series, whether it be 2017 or 2018. I think they've extended to go from 13 to 15 races at um, the 88 car. I see, I mean, to be honest with you, I can see Casey Kane staying in the five for another year and Byron doing another year of Xfinity because they did the same thing with Chase Elliott. I mean, Byron is no better than Chase Elliott. And they kept him in the Xfinity for two years before they brought him up. I could see them doing the same thing with William Byron because they do have Casey Kane under contract for the five car, especially if sponsorship is struggling. Why would you pay money for Casey Kane to go away when you're still struggling to get sponsorship for that car? That's a fair point, and I think it, it buys you some time. Because if Bowman is the real deal, you have next year to figure that out. 
Um, and if Kane struggles next year, you say, well, that's an easy choice. I could put Byron in the five. But if Bowman goes out and completely lays an egg this year, and Nationwide's going, listen, we don't want anything. We don't want a part of this. Uh, you say, well, no, 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 stay. I got Alex Bowman. And then you can figure out what you want. Or I got um, William Byron, excuse me. Um, and then you can figure out what you want to do with that five car. If Kane has a good year, you can resign him and, and keep Kane in the fold there. So then it sort of buys you a year if you keep Casey there. So all the speculation that Casey might be gone, it's possible still, obviously, because we never really heard anything, somebody coming out and saying, yeah, Casey's going to be back next year. But it might play in Hendrick's hands if, if they sit there and they go, listen, uh, we're going to keep Casey Kane around for one more year. We're going to put Byron in the Xfinity Series. And then you can figure out, do I want to put him in the 88 or do I want to put him in the 5? Um, Bowman's deal, deal was announced as multi-year, I heard, this afternoon. Um, but that doesn't mean there aren't clauses in there if their sponsorship doesn't want them or they could push them out. Uh, just like with Casey Kane, the rumors are this year because Kane's contract runs through. So contracts are kind of only what they're worth on paper, not really anything else. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think a very um, – so I, I thought it was very surprising that they didn't have a whole, whole lot of hoopla around it. Maybe I'm looking at it differently, um, but I just think – it's a very interesting ride. Not a huge name. Bowman, I know he's a, good, he's a good driver. You mentioned it's nice and refreshing to see the owners sort of pick the driver here. Um, but a very interesting announcement this afternoon that William, that Alex Bowman's going to be the number 88 Chevrolet. Final thoughts on that, John, before we get to Eldora. Um, well, again, it's, it's nice to see the kid not bring money to the table. It's interesting that Nationwide extended for just one year to do the wait and see. Let's see what he's got. And if he really goes out and tears it up and um, fighting for a championship, Nationwide stays in the fold. If not, Nationwide and Exalta probably say, okay, Byron comes to the 88 the next year. Um, it's a tough thing whenever you're looking at one year for sponsorship. But the way it is right now, everybody's just fighting to get any sponsorship dollars. Everybody's undercutting everybody to try to get somebody from somebody. So, I mean, I really like the fact, I mean, Junior came out early and said William Byron, I mean, um, Alex Bowman deserves the ride. Um, But I also think over the past couple weeks, whenever Kenseth made his announcement, I really think that Jimmy Johnson and Junior both were sort of saying, hey, Rick, you don't get this kind of talent that's sitting there open game that we can get our hands on and he will bring a lot to the organization. But I think the ship had already sailed that they were already in talks with nationwide Nick Zolta to um, get Byron in the 88. I mean, I'm sorry, Bowman in the 88. I just think Kenseth is pushing silly season and I think he's having a good time doing it because he said the other night, I was at a Metallica concert. I felt like I was 20 again. And he said, I'm not, I'm not concerned about where I'm going to drive next year but he keeps saying where he's not going to be. And when he says he's not going right. to be somewhere, he sort of forces the issue that they say who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, you're right. He's calling silly season here. He did it with Jones. He did it with Bowman. should be interesting if somebody asks him next time he gets on the air there on Sirius uh, whether or not he's going to get to 10. Uh, 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking Circles. Clayton Cobalt, John Harlow, speedwithmedia.com. Uh, Eldora Dirt Derby, the fifth annual Eldora Dirt Derby from Eldora Speedway in Rossburg, Ohio. Uh, NASCAR Camping Road Truck Series, a wonderful uh, event it always is. Listen, I thought the heat races early 
were not a whole lot of passing there. I don't know if the track was uh, too great early on. I think the bottom lane sort of stalled early on and, and it sort of made for one lane and, and made it really, really hard to pass in the heat racing, in the heat races. But once after the uh, modified ran, they fixed the racetrack up. They Once the main started, it, it was fantastic. It was a little wet early on in the bottom lane there. A lot of the, the drivers towards the back end of the field were getting their, um, you know, getting plugged with mud, getting their grills plugged with mud, overheating a little bit. Uh, but once it dried up a little bit, you know, shortly thereafter that, everything was fine, and it turned into a very good race. Uh, again, John, you know, my only complaint really this weekend is that 945 start. Um, but before we hit on that, what were your thoughts on Eldora? Uh, Matt Craffin takes the victory. But Stuart Friesen was really the star of that show, uh, led 93 laps, took the pole, won his heat race, did everything he needed to do. But the truck seemed to fall towards the end of that race, fall off a little bit towards the tail end of that race, and no doubt Crafton had a faster race car, and Crafton pulled away with the victory. Well, the one thing with the 945 start, I think that was TV-driven. That was I don't think that was Tony-driven because most of the time, whenever they hit the um, – a main, I mean, when they hit the A main at Eldora, normally it's about 9.30, but they're running 40 laps, so they're done by 10.30. Um, one of the things that I had, the, I mean, the way it works when you see the heat races and stuff, and you said it was a one-lane track, the one thing is you can go out there and change the track in between sessions. Like you said, t- Tony, I mean, you saw Tony, he was running, running the tractor. He was the one tilling up the track and telling everybody where to put water and everything. And they had to water it down because it was a hot night in Eldora. I mean, in Rossburg, Ohio. So the more moisture you put in the track, the more, the more grip you get because the longer you run on it, the more you suck up the moisture and then it becomes dry slick. And all you do is run the top. So to get that second lane in where you could run the middle and the bottom, which they were able to run from about uh, stage two on, it was a phenomenal racetrack. I mean, Tony and his team out there at Eldora put on a put a great track together. The thing that makes it tough, especially with the way things are with these trucks and everything, they're running windshields and whenever it's wet like that and you're tearing up mud, I mean, how the hell they saw from the back of the pack, they showed an in-car camera shot from Chase Briscoe's truck from the helmet. I mean, from the visor cam, you couldn't see out the window. So how he was able to keep it pointed straight and not hit anybody with the limited visibility they had was impressive. I'm surprised they haven't found a way to put screens or something on there on the grill or whatever, to make sure they can get the mud off because that's what they do whenever they're running uh, the regular sprint cars. I mean, there's screens and nets on things to keep the mud off. I mean, it's, they need the intake for the, um, to keep the engine cool, but I just don't see how they ended up pulling that off. I think it was one of the best races of the year. They were able to run high. They were able to run middle. They were able to run low. There were slide jobs. There were, um, it was just great racing. And, it was really cool to see some of the guys who aren't dirt wizards. John Hunter Nemechek, this is the third time he's been on dirt. And all three, or two, second time he's been on dirt. And both of them have been at Eldora during the truck race. Crafty went out and bought a modified so he could learn how to run dirt better. And he was running all three lanes. 
and he was going toe-to-toe with Stuart Friesen. And Stuart Friesen's a great dirt racer. Christopher Bell won the night before the Kings Royal on Saturday night at Eldora in a 410 sprint for Tony Stewart. So he knows his way around that track very well. And to see him spin like he did was a big shock. And then get T-boned but still keep going. It was impressive the way the race wound up running. I mean, it was great racing, three wide. They were able to run three different lanes. And that's all because of track preparation. I agree. I think it was it was fun to watch, no doubt about it. Um, you know, a lot of cautions, John. And I wish didn't have the stages last night because it just seemed like the cautions kept You know, this, all the stages really did was add to the caution flags. Um, I don't know if we really even needed them for outdoor. So it was kind of frustrating. I thought, uh, you know, NBC or excuse me, Fox missed a, a restart there in the first stage. That was rough to watch. Uh, but other than that, it was a great race. And I, and I think, you know, the, the 10 cautions slowed it down, but it bunch of filled up, but it made it interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I think the best truck won. Uh, Crafton was out there and, he needed that win. I mean, this is a team that hasn't really run that great this year. They've seen you've seen some flashes from Ben Rhodes this year, but other than that, you know, Crafton hasn't been great this year. Uh, you know, I expected more from Grant Enfinger, and I don't know if it's Enfinger himself. I just think the team sort of struggled a little bit this year. Um, they had five trucks there at Eldora last night, including Rico Abreu, but a huge win for Crafton. He's in the chase, and now he, this team can focus on that. They can take say, hey, you know what? Let's try a little R&D. Let's see where we're a little bit off, where we're a little bit off, and fix what's going on with this 88 truck. Because Crafton right now, on, on I think you'd even admit it, on an asphalt track in a mile and a half, he is not a championship contender um, as they sit right now. So they got to get a little bit better here. And I think this win enables them to, to do that because you're locked into the chase. Now, um, I think it's a huge win. But I tell you, the guy, again, we talked about it earlier, the guy who really made a name for himself was Stuart Friesian as far as, putting himself out there in that truck series and to go out there and really just say, hey, you know what, nobody can touch me. And for the first two stages of that event, nobody really could touch him other than pitch strategy. Um, and then the truck went away. So huge night for Friesen, a huge night for Crafton. Those two guys really ran good. I'll tell you the guy I'm always impressed with is Bobby Pierce. He, he banged up his truck early on in the seat race. Um, it looked like maybe the Mittler truck wasn't going to be able to continue to the to the main at least at a high rate of speed. And Bobby Pierce goes out there and finishes sixth, comes from 26 to six. I thought a very nice job for him as well. And he got caught up in a spin earlier in the, in the uh, 150. So he, he ran a heck of a race. A couple of things that, I mean, did bother me when it comes to it. And when it comes to dirt racing, I mean, caution laps shouldn't count. As much as I, mean, I get on, I mean, I'm a big fan of racing, and I know the way NASCAR operates, caution flags are part of the 400 miles or 300 miles or whatever they're doing. In between the stages, because they had to pit in two segments, because there's only so much room on that pit road to pit, they had to pit in two segments. So it was 10 laps of caution between stages. Just kill the caution. I mean, kill the. Ca- I mean, make the only green flag lap should count. You want to see 150 laps, and you think about it, that's 75 miles of racing. They can do the whole thing on almost a full tank of gas. 
They have to gas up between one of the stages, but then they're fine. I mean, the reason Crafton wound up the car, I mean, the truck went away on um, Stuart Friesen. Friesen took tires between stage one and two. Crafton took tires between two and three. And Crafton was on newer tires. And I mean, there's a lot of laps on those tires and you wear them out and you get the heat in them and you get to, you you need to back off and cool your tires off. But when you're going bang, bang for one, two, you don't have that opportunity. So, I mean, Crafton won that on pit strategy by getting fresher tires for the final segment. But, I mean, they got to kill the caution laps. I mean, especially between the stages. I think no matter what, even whenever they look, they're looking at it for 2018 in the Cup and Xfinity Series and the Truck Series on a regular basis. Those caution laps between stages kill them out, and they're going to go green to green. And the five laps or ten laps of caution, whatever it takes to get the commercial break out of the way, they're going to make sure that they get them to where they're set and the fans aren't getting shortchanged because of these long cautions. Well, and, and when you think about it, I feel bad for the people who were at the racetrack uh, last night because only 60% of that race, 59 laps were under caution. Only 60% was running the green flag conditions. And to me, that's not enough. And a lot of it was the wrecks. I mean, I think these guys on the dirt series, uh, on the dirt, you know, a lot of these guys in the truck series don't have the experience on the dirt that they, you know, that other dirt drivers have. So I think it, it really hurts them. Um, I think it's a different medium than a lot of these guys are used to, too. You talk about Christopher Bell. When he was on dirt, you know, he's used to a lighter car that's faster than these trucks who have no side force at all, and he spun out. Um, you know, so I think that's a, that's an issue. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just I would like to see – I would just wish we saw more caution flags. I don't know if there's anything – you know, and I, and I would love to see NASCAR take the caution laps in between the stages, like you said, away. I think that would be huge. Um, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of it, what happened yesterday was a lot of wrecks. I mean, there was only uh, 15 cars on the lead lap. Harrison Burton had a lot of damage on his truck. He finished 15th. But I, I'll give another call guy to a guy who does great every time he's on this dirt, Norm Benning. Um, I know he's not a big name. I know he's a, a, a small team. And they they won, run one truck usually, starts in parks. But to go out there and finish 13th and beat the likes of Ryan Truex, J.J. Yaley, Johnny Sauter, and all those drivers that he normally has to be. Even Ken Schrader at Bowen, Bowen Motorsports, he went out and beat uh, in a 13th place run. That's a, that's a darn good run for that little team over there at Norm Benning Racing in that number six truck. So a nice job by him uh, there at Adora on Wednesday night. I still love that uh, the truck that Norm made the show with coming out of the last chance race the first year. Tony bought the truck. Tony Stewart owns that truck because he – Loved the way that Norm Benning busted as you know what to get there. And he works he works on it himself with a couple guys. It's not like they're a super big team or anything. It's really great to see someone like Norm Benning get in there. It's great to, great to see Ryan Pierce um, make his showing in there. But I like the fact that John Hunter Nemechek, who barely saw dirt before, and he was going fender to fender. I mean, and the one thing that he's been doing lately – He's been taking care of the truck. He's had a, he had some chances last night to uh, put himself into some sticky situations, and he either backed off or gave somebody some room so everybody could um, do what they needed to do. And the object of the I mean, it always the old saying is to finish first, you must first finish. And John Hunter Nemechek's starting to get that 
drug into his head. And he had many chances to tear up his equipment and somebody else's equipment by not giving somebody some room, anybody some room. And he wound up using his brain and wound up with a top 10 finish. Starting to mature as a race car driver. Uh, Lee in Virginia is with us tonight. Lee, what do you want to talk about tonight? Well, I wanted to add to your Matt Kenseth conversation, or your, your silly season conversation, Alex Bowman there. Um, I thought it was an interesting time to make the announcement. And there's a lot of things that I'd like to know. Clayton, you said you saw that it was a multi-year deal today? Uh, somebody informed me it was a multi-year deal, yes. Wow, I'm shocked by that because I, I just thought maybe the reason why Matt Kenseth wasn't there was because Matt was only going to be there for a year. And I thought maybe that's why the Kenseth deal didn't, didn't fall apart. I thought Matt maybe wanted something more long-term. But if Bowman's a, a multi-year deal, that's interesting. Um, I think Nationwide had a big thing to do with it. Uh, you know, I think they were kind of – they like Bowman. I think they're in more on Bowman than Exalta. I think we saw that last year when Gordon was, Jeff Gordon was running the Exalta races and, and, and uh, Alex Bowman was running the Nationwide races. I think we saw that. I think Exalta – or Nationwide was a big one behind that first I don't know if you guys saw the article today, but, um, you know, Farmers Insurance is going to be out at the end of the year for Casey Kane. Uh, obviously, great clips is announced. They're going to be out. you got to wonder what's going to go on with that five car. They really do. I think it's um, something where they could go William Byron, and keep Casey Kane. I think keeping Casey Kane, Lee, is not a bad option, like Sean said earlier. You know, you can – and I think it sort of buys you a little bit of time here with – William Byron, if you want to keep Byron in the Xfinity Series, which is sort of uh, protocol there at Hendrick Motorsports, um, you can keep him in the Xfinity Series and then move to uh, putting, you know, uh, William Byron in that car after um, a year and kind of sort of figure out whether it's Bowman you want to replace or if it's Casey Kane you want to replace. So I think that's something huge as well. Uh what else do you want to talk about tonight, Lee? What did you think about the race at Outdoor? I thought the racing at Outdoor was good. I think NASCAR needs to crack down a little bit more on some of the drivers that are there. I know there was. I know it's fun to you know see these new kids and da 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 da. But I mean, whoever was in that ten truck couldn't make it five laps without spinning around. I mean, just please let let's crack down on these guys. Make sure that they're worthy before they go out on that racetrack because. You're ruining the show is what you're doing, clearly. I mean, you know, I know Jennifer Jo Cobb needs the money, and her team is a, is a low-budget team, and, and we're not going to – these are independent team owners, and they're, they're not franchises, and it's really hard-pressed to say, okay, well, you really shouldn't – you know, you can't hire this person, you can't hire that person. But, I mean, come on. It, it gets to the point where it's almost comical. And, and, and you guys are right. You know, they need to do something about the caution laps. Um, and, and I think that's part of it. You know, make sure that these guys are these, – these drivers – are worthy before they come on a dirt track or, or even any racetrack in NASCAR period. Um, be, I know they can bring a lot of money and it, look, it makes your spot, sponsor or sport look good if there's more than 32 trucks. But at the same time, you know, you really need to vet some of these guys because a, a guy spinning around as much as he did with all the practice time that they had and all the practice laps and all the heat races spinning around as much as he did. I, I just, I, I find it hard to believe that that, that that person was qualified to drive a NASCAR race. And there's something that I think that they need to do better. I agree, Lee. I think um, you have to have some sort of, I mean, either have to be a regular truck series driver or have some serious dirt credentials or a regular Xfinity or Cup driver to even be part of that track. Because driving on dirt is 
a whole different world than driving on pavement. It's, I mean, to turn left, you turn the wheel right. I mean, it's totally ass backwards than anybody's used to. So, I mean, I'm 100% with you. Whoever was in Jennifer Joe Cobb's truck had no business being on that track after the second spin. They should have said, okay, thanks for playing. Park your truck, collect your money at the window, and go home. Um, I just looked up, Lee. uh, Dustin Long reported that the sponsorship from Nationwide was extended one year. And Exalta's, I mean, for 19 races, Exalta's on for 15. But they have not, I have not seen anywhere where it said how long Bowman's contract is with Hendrick Motorsports, but um, Nationwide extended for one year. So I think it's a try it out and see how it goes. And if Bowman goes up and lights up the place and is in the championship hunt next year, I see Nationwide becoming a partner with him because they did enjoy the way he represented him last year filling in for Dale Jr. But I don't think that he's a household name that Nationwide wants to hook themselves up to him for life yet. Um, and I hope the people at the press conference on Sunday have the, have the audacity and the guts to ask Rick Hendrick straight up, hey, listen, how much of a financial hit are you taking from these two sponsors? Yes, the number of races are increasing or staying the same, but I'd like to know how much Hendrick is charging them for that, for that number of races. It cannot be the same price that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is bringing in. And that also may affect whether or not that five-team runs next year. So I'd love to see that question Fine. asked because because I know for a fact sponsors are negotiating and, and they're looking at the $20 million they're getting from Monster Energy and they're saying, why in the world would I spend $20 million on a race car when I can spend $20 million on an entire series? So I, and I know that for a fact they're looking at that. You know, Adam Stern had said that a couple of weeks ago. So I would love to know how much of a financial hit Rick Hendrick's taking and, and hear what his answer is. I don't know if anybody's going to have the guts to ask because it's, it's, it's not about that. It's about, you know, all positivity, but I, I, I think that's a very important thing we'd like to know. And it would show you the state of our sport, exactly how much these, how much of a hit Hendrick Motorsports is taking sponsor money wise from these guys. Yeah, yeah. They're getting the full schedule, but, but how much, how much less is it than it was with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Cause it can't be the same. I wonder if that's wonder part of the sticking point with Miller Lite and Brad Keselowski. Because Absolutely. Miller Lite, they're, they're a smart business. I mean, they're not there to lose money. And they're probably saying, hey, Monster Energy's paying $20 million bucks for the whole series. Why should I pay $25 million bucks to sponsor one car? And, and you have, have to wonder as well. Too. Go ahead. Right. You have to wonder as well if, if Matt Kenseth and that, that played a role in the not- – signing Matt Kenseth at all, where Alex Bowman doesn't have to demand as much money as Matt Kenseth would, and the sponsorships would say, yeah, we'll sponsor for that much, and Rick looks at the bottom line and says, well, I can make money with Alex Bowman, but I don't know if I can make money with Mac, as much money with Matt Kenseth. Who knows? I mean, uh, any, any drivers are going to have to take hits like that now. I think it's going to change. You're about to see everything change dramatically here. You know, these drivers are making a lot of money, and I think we're going to get back to the days where, yeah, they're going to be making a lot of money because the, the endorsement deals, the big guys will. But the guys in the middle, the guys who are, you know, moving teams like Bowman, like Eric Jones, like Bubba Wallace if he races next year, they're going to have to look take look at it and say, all right, you know what, I'm not going to be, you know, living in a house like Dale Earnhardt Jr. lives in to be, a, to be a Monster Energy Cup Series driver, but I am going to be a Cup Series driver. And you're going to have to build yourself up to make a lot of money. And that's not the way it always was, but you know what? With the way the sponsorship situation is now and, and, and the way everything is working out, these drivers are going to have to take a significant 
pay cut, in my opinion, if they're going to want a competitive ride. And if Matt Kenseth's not willing to do that, he could be on the sidelines next year. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting situation as to the way the sport's in. It was going to have, we knew this time was coming, guys. All of us knew it. We talked about this for years. We knew it was going to have to write itself eventually, and it's writing itself pretty damn quickly here. And the thing that I've complained about for years as well is NASCAR has the official toilet paper of NASCAR, the official motor oil, the official um, butt paste of NASCAR. You name it, they have an official something for NASCAR. And that's money that isn't in sponsorship for cars. And NASCAR can have the greatest product they want, but if they have sucky cars and sucky drivers, nobody's going to watch it. NASCAR is within five years, if not less, of being IndyCar. Because competitive teams cannot afford to be competitive. I mean, at the end of the year, you make $10, $11 million if you're the cup champion. And it costs $25, $30 million to be competitive in this sport. And the France family sitting there counting money in Daytona Beach... And the drivers are making good money, but they're also the ones who risk their life every time they strap in that car. For this one, I mean, when it comes to driver salaries, I'll stick with the driver all day long because one mistake and they're dead. The France family is still going to collect money. They collected money after Dale Sr. died. They collected money after Kenny Irwin died. They collected money after Adam Petty died. NASCAR didn't lose any money in the process. So I don't I don't blame the drivers for keep wanting the money that they get. I just think there's got to be come to the point. The charter system has become a complete joke because Lee, you, me, and Clayton can round up about five hundred bucks each, and we could probably buy a buy a charter at the end of the year for fifteen hundred bucks. Because it's getting to the point where there's going to be under thirty six cars there. Yeah, there's that's the rumor, and a lot of people are worried about that. We're seeing that a lot of chatter about that on social media and. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Lee, I want to get your take before I let you go here on Indianapolis this weekend. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series will run restrictor plates. Uh, you know, it was announced in the offseason they were running restrictor plates. A lot of people are anticipating it will go to Cup in 2018 if this is successful this weekend in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, Dale Jarrett is one of the drivers who, one of the personalities who really, really um, was negative on this idea for the restrictor plates at Indianapolis. What are your thoughts? What do you think we're going to see here on Saturday? I think that, I think it's more, I'm more anticipating, I'm anticipating this race in the Xfinity series more than I do the cup race, just because of the whole restrictor plate deal. What are your thoughts? Just because of that reason right there, what you said, Clayton, and I agree with you. I agree with everything you just said, but just because of that reason, it doesn't matter whether or not the race is going to be a snooze fest or the best race since the 79-500. It's going to cup in 2018 just because of that reason right there, what you said, the anticipation. And, and they want to sell tickets. And remember, that date is moving to the last race before the chase last year. So I'm telling you right now, whether or not this is a success or a failure, it's going to go cup racing because people want an anticipation to that race in Indianapolis. Um, that's my opinion on it. But what I think is going to happen, uh, listen, the one positive is it can't get any worse. I mean, especially in the Xfinity Series. That race in the Xfinity Series has been god awful the last since they ever since they've gone there. 
So I'm, I'm interested to see how the – I love the, the, the things that are front end of the car, the air dams that they're going to put on there that should create downforce. That's going to be interesting to me. I wish they didn't do the restrictor plates and they just did that because I think that would really be a good, a good change. The restrictor plates, we saw that. The only time that they haven't been on a super speedway was at that race in New Hampshire in 2000 after Kenny Irwin got killed. And Jeff Burton led three, all 300 laps, and there was no passing. Guys were trying to get out of line and couldn't. Uh, maybe because it's a bigger track, we'll see. One of the things that uh, I know uh, Blake Cook was talking about the other night said we could see the tandem draft return at Indianapolis, which would be a disaster. And we could also see, you know, so you're going to, you know, NASCAR said, uh, I believe Wayne Alton had said, we're not going to police the push drafting like we did in Daytona and Talladega. So uh, that's another thing that we're, we're going to look at and say, Imagine pushing somebody at 200 miles an hour into a basically a 90-degree corner at Indianapolis with some of the fools that they have in this Xfinity series. Uh, boy, we could be seeing a lot of stretchers and, and, and ambulances and, and medevacs at Indianapolis if they do that. So I'm interested to see how it works out. I hope they police the, the push drafting because if they don't, we could really get somebody hurt there. Um, and I hope that's not the case and nobody ever wants to tune in to see that. Well, Lee, my my thought on my thought on it, Lee, was I compare it to a monkey doing it with a football, because I mean, you look, they get they're going to bunch them up into packs to try to create some sort of passing. The thing is, if you get them in a pack and you can only turn one car wide at Indy, who's hitting the wall first, and how many of them are going to pile up? Because Indy's sort of like Talladega and everything else. If they end up piling it up going into the turn especially on the restarts or before they've had a chance to break out. And with the restrictor plate, you really can't break out. You're going to end up with a pileup in turn one at some point. And I told Clayton earlier, if we have 20 cars finish the Xfinity race, I'll be surprised. Listen, I think this weekend at Indianapolis is key because like Lee said, they're moving that race to the first race of the chase next year. If this race is good and people rant and rave about it and fans like it, it's gonna be it could be a, a game changer for Indianapolis. But if this race is bad, people aren't gonna care about that race. They're gonna go, Oh my gosh, we're gonna go to Indianapolis again. And I don't know if they're gonna bring it or not. Who knows? And maybe Lee's right. Maybe they're gonna sit there and say, Hey, uh the final race of the regular season is at Indianapolis, yada yada yada. But I think they're also gonna try to sell that race next year as well anybody can win this race it's a restrictor plate anybody can win it and that's another deal they're going to try and do that with but I think what they're trying to ultimately get here in Indianapolis is like the Indy cars like we see with the Indy car, how the Indy car racing goes there where people rant and rave about that race because they're in a big pack I think NASCAR is trying to ultimately do that and they're trying to figure out a way to do that and these restrictor plates could be the answer to that. As far as the cup race goes, Lee, I want your opinion quick before I let you go on who you think is going to be strong here um, in, in the cup race, the Brickyard 400. I still call it the Brickyard 400. I think it's Brittany Gilbert, big machine 400 at the Brickyard who or something it? like who, that. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. I write that I already am. Who cares about that? The Brickyard 400, who you got running really well there? Boy, it's, it's tough. Uh, a flat track they got to go with the Toyotas. You do. I'm sorry. You know, they've, they've shown lately here that they're, that they're kind of, they're back. Um, the Fords have really kind of taken a hit here lately. Um, I think, you know, obviously 
I think any of the Stewart House cars can win other than Danica. And I think, uh, you know, any of the Penske cars can win on any given day. That, that's, that's a given. But they're not as strong as they were earlier in the year. And I think you got to go with the Toyotas. I think, you know, obviously the 78 and the 42 are the favorites in every single place that we go to right now. So no question, they're favorites, and, and they're going to be guys to, to watch. Um, and, then, and then I think the Toyotas after that. Kyle Busch is hungry, uh, and it could be, it could be a, a pit strategy race where, you know, whoever's out, whoever is out front at the end wins. Um, and if Adam Stevens and Kyle Busch can put together a good strategy, I think you could see him easily go to victory lane. Yeah, Indy's sort of like Pocono, where it's a gas mileage race. Um, you, I mean, Kyle Busch has won it two years in a row. So you really can't bet against him to start. I really know that Roger Penske wants to win the Brickyard more than any race on the Cup circuit. He's got 19 Indy 500 wins, zero at the Brickyard when it comes to the Cup Series. I I can guarantee you Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano will do everything in their power to put Roger Penske in victory lane and kiss the bricks. And, I I mean, that's one of the things I keep waiting. It's sort of like Dale Earnhardt with the 500 or Tony Stewart with the 500. You kept, well, they're great. They run great at Daytona, and it took Earnhardt forever, and Tony never did win the 500. I think it's going to be one of those ones Penske dominates at Indy, but – are they able to do it on the cup side and how, I mean, Keselowski, whenever he won the championship for the captain, it was amazing the way Penske celebrated with him. I can only imagine how Penske would celebrate winning the Brickyard 400. Yeah. That'd be wild. To see one more thing. Penske, one more captain, thing quick. One more kiss, driver. Kiss quick. The brick. Go ahead. Go ahead. It would be Jamie McMurray. He won here a few years ago. Ganassi's always got an excellent program here. He hasn't won all year. And I think, Teams are starting to really worry about where they are in points, and they're, they're, they want, they need, they feel like they need to get wins. I would watch out for the one car this weekend. Thanks, Lee, for joining the show, and that's a very good point um, because McMurray doesn't have any stage points. Him and Clint Boyer, I think, are the only two drivers in the top ten with no stage points. Um, and I think McMurray really is. That's going to be a factor for him if he wants to compete for this championship. That he needs to get some stage points. Indianapolis is a good racetrack for him, and. and Chip Ganassi, Montori ran really well there at times. Uh, I think Larson's definitely a favorite um, for Indianapolis. But, John, just real quick, uh, if you had to pick one driver to win this weekend at Indianapolis, who do you got? Kyle Busch. (laughs) He's won it two years in a row. He leads a boatload of laps. I just think it's time. I mean, Kyle Busch is going to win. It's just a matter of where before they get to the playoffs. And I think this is the one. It's going to be a very interesting weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm anticipating that. I'm really, really anticipating that Xfinity race. I want to see how that goes. Cup race should be fun uh, just to see how who runs really well there. You know, Toyotas, we've seen pick up some speed. Fords, we've seen be a little bit slower here of recent times. I want to thank Chris from Texas and Brandon and Lee from Virginia for calling the show tonight. We'll be back here Sunday night after the Brickyard 400. We'll break down uh, the Xfinity Series race and the Cup Series race and the entire weekend from Indianapolis. Plus, if there's any news there, we'll break that down as well. Um, We'll be back here next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.